Hello everyone, it's Paul here with some exciting news. I'm absolutely delighted that Series 4 of the Past Podcast is brought to you in partnership with the wonderful Chef Works, outfitting chefs, kitchens and front of house all around the world. Chef Works offer a collection of great uniforms, so to check out their full range, visit chefworks.co.uk. On with the show. things uh, in general but I think the trip advisor thing was uh, was a nice little feather in the cap to be on that list with those people, it's pretty cool it gives us a bit of PR from it as well mm. and having our name mentioned with those types of people I think that's that's kind of where we want to be you know, yeah it's huge you can't, you can't force, you know the, 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 the thing about trip advisor that's funny is that it's like you can't force it right, it's literally the customer's reviews so it means a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Guidebooks and stuff like that, they have their, their, their things they're looking for, they have their, their sways, if you like. Um, but yeah, it's been a good year, and especially now we're down to four days a week. Um, I can't complain at that. Uh, the business has survived dropping down that much, and everybody's still happy, so... I think, I think the thing with TripAdvisor as well is it, it is such a, like a love-hate, relationship isn't it but when when you can get it right um i was talking to um tom shepherd for this series as well and obviously they that's how i became familiar with adams is because they always rate so highly on TripAdvisor, and he's done he's done really well again in, in that list that's been announced today and it's i think if you get that sweet spot right it can make a massive massive difference Totally. I think it's like, I mean, everybody has their problems with TripAdvisor for sure. I mean, I've had my own problems with it this year with other people leaving, you know, sketchy reviews for us. Um, so when you have those moments, you definitely don't feel the positives from it. But, you know, our restaurant is generally full, you know, 65% with international travellers so they're, they're looking at those sites and coming to the restaurant and that's what keeps us busy in November on a Wednesday and a Thursday you know it's like why the restaurant's still full well I'm sure uh, I've said it to you before but that's definitely how I find found you guys as well was yeah, we were yeah. coming up and we needed we wanted somewhere to have just the two of us before we met up yeah. with a group of family yeah. um, and I just thought well because normally for me to be honest with you it's almost like the last place i check i kind of go to other sources first or you know what it's like in the chef world now people get recommendations and stuff but i i think i was on a bit of a short time scale and i thought i'll just jump on TripAdvisor and just see you know find somewhere that looks decent and i think with you guys and it's kind of the same with adams when i was in there the minute you walked in you could i could tell or I thought I could tell straight away why it was rated so highly. And I think with sure. yourselves, it's always, it's to me anyway, it was because of the atmosphere that's, yeah, that's in yeah, that definitely. space. I think we've always put a lot of, 
thought into I mean it's always been important to me anyway just from a general like just from me running the business ideas like it's always been important to me that people come to the restaurant and feel certain like looked after and like hospitality and the whole time I've worked in it all around the world it's always about you know kind of exceeding people's expectations obviously as soon as someone walks in we try and greet someone and not have them waiting too long and get them sat down be attentive and, and make people feel welcome and I think that's like where our huge customer base and, and we've got a loyal following of regulars that come and uh, obviously I totally appreciate them coming every month to the restaurant but I think that's kind of why because they always get treated well you know mm. it's like it's a really kind of well especially even on our night I'm sure it is every night it's just like a real kind of buzzing restaurant it's got that kind of vibe. it's not in any way sort of stiff or formal is it at all no not at all like, no not at all it's, it's always geared up to be that sort of casualness too and like kind of fun and sure. lively and you know it totally isn't it for everybody because I think the expectation so you get like number eight on the the fine dining list and, and TripAdvisor of the whole UK people expect sometimes when they come that it's like more formal and you have yeah. to dress up more yeah that sort of stuff um i'm sure we said it last time but it's like it feels like you've hit on this kind of secret neighborhood spot that only the kind of cool people know about but actually like loads of people know about it now because you're on (laughs) you're on these lists and like you're getting so popular it feels like that i mean i think because we still get dropped off certain lists too and we don't rate you know as much in the maybe the biggest ones uh, we don't chase it that much so I guess like it still kind of feels a little bit like that hidden gem sort of feel but you're yeah. right a lot of people know about us now and I don't know it's a hard one to, to look from the outside in when you're inside it all the yeah, time yeah, yeah. so you just every month every year whatever you want to call it I look at it and sort of think where do I want it to be now where have I travelled to recently kind of where are we moving forward with it because mm. if it's not moving forward that's a big problem and that um shift in terms of the opening hours that was a really massive story that got covered quite a lot yeah what, yeah, what lot. was the it's kind of like much. what was the kind of you know starting was it just because you know you've got a young family now and stuff and you wanted to give yourself more time or was it kind of a wider issue that you were trying to solve no i mean I definitely have, I've, I've documented it as, as honestly as possible from the beginning when it got picked up i never thought it'd get picked up the only time it, we you know it got picked up because i had to tell the pr company that tell you know whoever you need to tell that our opening hours are changing just strictly because i don't want people showing up on sundays and expecting to get in and then when it did get picked up like the bbc and, and all this sort of stuff um i told everybody i mean first and foremost it was a pretty personal and, and selfish position to take that I at the time was feeling pretty burnt out you know I've never really had any career breaks and I've been working in the industry since I was 13 so uh, I'm 35 now and I was just you know aching I was tired I was exhausted I'd been working a lot of hours since the opening of ASO, uh, a lot of stress, and I just felt like if I didn't make a change in my life, something bad was going to happen to me. I'd lost my father previously uh, the year before, years ago, and it was health problems and stuff like that that I think the industry added to. So kind of like all weighed up, and obviously I've got a young son, so that's <laughs> that'll keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. Uh, there's no, I don't want to be missing time with him. You know, he is more important than cooking to me. So, yeah. um, 
and cooking is obviously it's a passion but it's also a business um, so we've got to balance a lot of it and I felt at that time that I was imbalanced so. and then yeah, I wasn't just going to you know look after myself I mean I have a lot of love and respect for all my team and they put loads of work in so I want to extend that same feeling to them yeah. and yeah, I could easily hire more chefs and just start taking loads of time off but making my staff work didn't seem responsible yeah, or fair, really, right yeah. in that certain, certain way so it's been good man it's like everybody's feeling positive about it everybody's better time off we had to go back up to five days in August and in December just because the budget was getting a bit tight going towards the end of the year we take January off so I don't want to be too tight on wages and stuff so it had to have a little adjustment but for the majority of it it's worked out it's amazing and it's such it although it came from kind of maybe a, a need it is still a really brave de- decision to do especially when you're the business owner right you know i know what yeah. you're saying that it pro- you know if you'd have carried on it it had only gone one way which is negatively but still yeah. it's a brave decision yeah of course it's, it's definitely brave but i think when you get to a certain point with anything you know you get to the point where you you don't really care about the risk because you know what the outcome may be uh, it's an easier decision to make. I mean, for me, it was always like, well, if it doesn't work, then the business was never strong enough or it was never sustainable enough anyway. So if we fold and it goes bust and I have to go and find a job, then that was the way it was meant to be. You know, I'm quite a firm believer in these things, sort of having a natural progression and, and a sort of a line that it will follow anyway. Um, but I was confident. I'd done the mass. I was confident that we don't really drop in business ever. Um, we work hard to maintain, you know, the, the weekdays. And so far, I mean, it's, it's just been nice. It's having Sundays off is a totally new thing for everybody. So it's, uh, it is brave. I think, you know, in any circumstance, we've done a lot of little things like that over the time we've been at Hazel and every time I've done something, whether it's like moving to only online reservations, that was a big thing too, um, which could have harmed the business. But I think you've got to believe in what you do and, 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 have the full conviction of it and not be afraid to make you know make mistakes or take risks so can you believe it's probably nearly a year since you or i last you and i last caught up for the past <laughs> yeah. podcast i'm sure i'm sure listeners are trying to um identify those beautiful dulcet scottish tones from somewhere <laughs> so last last christmas i thought it'd be a really fun idea to ring around i think it's about five chefs that i yeah. love around the uk and get them all to give me a christmas dish and my my recording schedule is huge at the minute so i thought yeah. why not just get my favorite from that and to be honest with you gareth ward wasn't available so <laughs> <laughs> How long Jesus. do you think I've been planning that one? <laughs> ten out of ten for that thank one. Thank you, thank you, mate. No, I thought I would get my favourite one, and I and we've been texting on and off for the last couple of months, so I thought it was more than time to get you, Stuart Rolston, back on the past podcast. Welcome back, mate. Thank you so much thank for you joining much. me. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and I have. Um, adjusted your brief this year because i want to do something around new year's because obviously we didn't really cover that last year and i think certainly for myself and i know the trend more and more now is rather than going out is to host you know dinner parties have friends around and do some more cooking not that you know people aren't already exhausted from the christmas period so i thought 
where to go. And obviously you Scots have a very um, close relationship with New Year's, don't you? It's quite, it's quite a big, it's way, it's such a bigger deal in Scotland, isn't it? It is. I don't know why we call it Hogmanay. Hogmanay, of course. So I don't know why it's, I mean, it's, it's got to be directly linked to drinking for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it can't just be a celebration of New Year's. I don't know. I mean, even when I was a kid, I remember New Year's being a big deal in the house. Yeah. We'd invite neighbours around, uh, you know, that was the big thing, the, the first people across your door would sort of wish you a happy new year. I remember my mum and dad always bringing the neighbours and stuff like that, so that was kind of always a fun time growing up. Um, there was always a party at our house at New Year's, and I guess as I got, I've gotten older, I've celebrated New Year's in a various bunch of different places, like in New York and the Caribbean and stuff, and it's always been a kind of a cool time. But I think it's more of an adult time. It's more like, you know, you do your Christmas thing with kids and stuff, and, and then adults can kind of have a bit more of a, a party. <laughs> well, especially where you, where obviously my favourite Edinburgh restaurant, Azel, is based in Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh yeah. is just like, just the capital, isn't it, of just beautifulness for Christmas and, uh, and for Hogmanay, New Year's Eve. And definitely. there's just such a massive kind of thing around it. So... If I was to ask you to start, what you, what sort of things that you might cook were you to invite me round for a Hogmanay yeah. uh, buffet? What where would you where would you start me off? Well, I think always the thing about New Year's, especially because there's always people coming in and out your house. So yeah, you, know, you invite a lot of people. You invite your neighbours. You're not quite sure who's going to drop by. So I think you definitely. You know, you're having something that's like kind of on a table that's just there to pick at and it's like, it doesn't sort of stop any conversation because there's no ceremony to it. It's just like really good food in the living room. People can pick up bites as they go. So, I mean, I always think when you're drinking as well, it's like there's definitely things just not drunk food, but like there's definitely yeah. certain things that I want to crave when I'm drinking. And it's like, I mean, sausage rolls, it may seem a little pedestrian, but I love making sausage rolls at home because it's so easy. Um, you know, it's inexpensive. It holds well. Things like that you can bake off, slice up, put on the table. But you can put your own spoons in. I mean, we do them at the restaurant for staff tea. I like fold exo sauce through the sausage meat mm. and then bake them in the pastry. So it's got like a little bit of a more Asian tinge to it. But the taste is like spectacular. Um, what would you do? Because that's such a that's such a trendy thing at the minute, an exo sauce. So how would yeah. you how would you break that down for the listeners? Because it's something that I kind of want to make, but I know there's so many different ways of doing it. And uh, it's a definitely it's, it's we make it at the restaurant and sort of age it in the fridges. Uh, we use it throughout the year in different ways, uh, lots of different things, especially on the snacks. But basically, it's a sauce that was created in Hong Kong, and it's a mixture of like. This cured sweet uh, Chinese style pork, and then fermented. Either it's usually scallops, but it's quite hard to get fermented dried scallops in the UK. So they generally use the shrimp, like baby dried shrimp. And you've got like a combination of you sort of grind it all up and you fry it off. Uh, so you've got fried shrimp, ground up fried pork, lots of chilies, lots of fried onions, lots of garlic. Um, fermented black beans that have also been ground up and then we can like add all that together and cook it down with a little bit of chicken jus some uh, rice wine vinegar uh, so it's basically like this sort of like meaty 
fishy sort of crumbly sauce that in in you know Asian cuisine they sort of add to stir fries or add to fried meats or or soups and, and broths and it kind of dilutes and, and gives you a really great flavour. So it is quite an intense uh, recipe if you want to make it homemade. But there's also some really great ones you can buy in Asian supermarkets. I was going to say must, that must be a that could must be a job that you could find online, right? For people that just want to do something in a, oh, in a hurry. I mean, I've definitely bought it for the house off Amazon. This one, uh, Lee Kung Su, I think it's called. It's a black and gold label. I think it's about ten pound a jar, and perfect. I have that in the house all the time. It's perfect. So you could could would you more use that sort of thing in the cooking then, like in the in the sausage roll recipe that you would describe? Yeah, yeah so I like once you're like beating the sausage meat together, I just add a couple of tablespoons of that into it, um, beat it until it's right the way through, and then sort of mold that sausage meat inside the pastry. And it's like it's just a bit of a different flavour to it, but it's like kind of like sweet, sticky pork sort of flavours, a little bit spicy. It's just like better than your generic sort of boring, you know, onion ones. Um, I have to say over this last year, you know, you kind of, I'm sure you're the same as a bit, as a food lover, that you kind of go in and out of different cuisines that you fall in love with. And Asian cuisine, I'm just obsessed with at the minute. I, I pretty much cover every single dish I can in sriracha at the minute. <laughs> just, I just love those different, and it is because again, sriracha they ferment, don't they? Right, so it's like yeah. it's just those different kind of complexities that you get in those sauces that they that they make over there that just add that little yeah. kind of zing on to kind of any dish. Like a huge love affair in the UK for like Asian cuisine you know but I don't think now there's ever been a better time where you're more exposed to like a, a higher level of it you know a higher level of cooking a higher level of ingredients like there's more exposure now even like when I was first started cooking you didn't really see a lot of things or use a lot of things like fish sauce or you know, even basic stuff we, we wouldn't use a lot of that in the cooking but then as soon as I moved to New York you know a lot of the guys I was working with exposed me to like Koreatown, Chinatown, noodle houses, dumpling houses, ramen, all that sort of stuff. And then I just got totally obsessed with it because it's just, for me, it's the best best cuisine in the world. Um, and we do a lot of it at Azel because I think it's a little bit different, you know, and especially, I mean, trends definitely now, you see a lot more Japanese cuisine and, and, and Asian products on people's menus and, and all parts of the country. Um, but for when we started doing it, you know, most of my career since being head chef, I've always had sort of those flavors on the menus and it was a way to sort of also be a little bit different because, you know, the Scandi thing was huge. Everybody was kind of doing the, the, the normal fabricant sort of rip-off style food. So it stood out, but now I think you see a lot more Asian stuff everywhere. Yeah, it's become, it's becoming so, so, so popular now, isn't it? And, yeah. And you know that's that's cool because it it shows that obviously it's something that and there is a lot of different interpretations of these things, right? But I always I always like places that give a nod to it, and I would say even from that first time in Azel, you had nods to kind of your kind of, like you say your rich past, and you spent a lot of time, like you said, abroad. What yeah. what would you say the Asian one is the biggest influence in Azel, or would you say that it's kind of a mix of where you've been? No, I think it's definitely the biggest. I think it's something that I've got more and more into as I've become 
older and, and, and reading more books and, and just my general interest in sort of Japanese cuisine especially is it's kind of where my head's at all the time. When I lived in New York, you know, Momofuku restaurants were like where I'd kind of spend all my days off and, <laughs> and money. Definitely all my money was there. Um, those all your, sort of all your paychecks just going straight yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, whatever was left after paying rent in New York, I'd get a bow bun or something. Yeah, for like a pound. Um, <laughs> a dollar, yeah. sorry, I should say. But I think it is, or now I definitely that's definitely my my part of my cooking list you know it's, it's definitely Japanese and French there's the hugest influences and using the local products to make those things with is kind of the cool part to it as well because that's what still makes it kind of modern Scottish food um, but I mean yeah all my interest is definitely in Japanese because you know, I'm planning a trip to Japan next year amazing yeah. Just promise that you won't talk to me about it too much because I'll just get jealous and stop talking yeah. to you. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I've been trying to get there for ages, but family and business and yeah. stuff has always Well, these are months. the things when you're when you're in such a good chef and you can run such a good business. Unfortunately, you have to be uh, you have to be over here, right? Yeah, you have to be available. Yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously, I don't. There's going to be a few people from the podcast now. Quite a lot of the listeners that might not have heard last year's special. And what I don't necessarily want you to do is to say, you know, tell me about Azel again. But what I did, sure. what I was interested in myself is because obviously we don't get a chance to catch up loads. Sure. Is um, to sort of tell me, kind of, I know you're saying before that you you've expanded, you were expanding the pastry, and I just wondered, you know, kind of what's changed, what are the biggest changes over the last year since we caught up, apart from the hours. What's uh, what's 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 going what's going on? <laughs> That's a good good question. I mean. It's, there's lots of things going on. I mean, since January when we started shutting down to four days, I mean, we spent a lot of money on the decor and seats and cutlery and that sort of stuff. So the physical things have changed quite a lot. Uh, all new seats, all new cutlery, glassware. It's still all higgledy-piggledy, um, though, yeah? You're still kind of fit fit into the space that you can fit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> we reconfigured... <laughs> we reconfigured the seating because we used to have fixed seating to the walls. We took all that away. Oh wow! Um, so we've got you know much nicer spacing. I'd say it was a little bit cramped before, and we sort of kind of are holding back the numbers ever so slightly this year, just to concentrate a little bit more on trying to make the product better. Um, obviously, we've spent a lot of money in the kitchen. We've got a brand new stove from Control Induction, bought for. Uh, you know, it was a lot of money. So that was kind of designed around the space that we've got in the kitchen. That changed the, just, you know, just even buying that stove changed the yeah. feel. In the I kitchen. saw that. I saw that on your social media. It's really impressive. Yeah. The level of professionalism, I think it makes you feel when you're used to working with those things, you take it for granted. And then when you start your own business and you realize you've got no money yeah. and you've got a shitty old stove and the problems that come along with that it doesn't make you feel like a superstar, you know? It makes you feel <laughs> very much down to earth and like, okay, I've got to make this work. So that changes, I think, a feeling in the kitchen. Then pastry has been extended kind of like the last six months, knocking down a lot of walls, uh, creating pastry to be bigger to hopefully house two chefs around there next year. Um, and that's really maybe something the customers won't see as much, but again... The professionalism that it brings when you spend that sort of money on extending things and building new bathrooms and whatnot, it just uh, it makes it feel like it's going the right way. 
Um, and then we've hired, obviously, one more chef than we ever used to have, so that's been uh, good to have the extra pair of hands, and I think we've been able to push the food further along. Um, probably the biggest change as well is slowing down the rotation of the menus. Um, right, okay, because that's quite a big big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something we're going to be sort of talking about more when we reopen next year of how... Uh, how it's going to change more but definitely I've been sort of holding things back a little bit I think when you're changing the menu so much you can only have so many great ideas there's good food for sure but I think there's very few great ideas and I think when we had a great idea you could feel the response from the customers much higher than other things Mm. and then a month later we'd change it and I feel like they weren't getting enough airplay and we were you know, so busy and, and turning over so many people that it always felt there's new customers in their place and maybe not getting to see our best things. And I think yeah, that's really difficult, that that, isn't it? Especially when yeah. you, obviously again, if people aren't familiar with the concept, certainly that I know of Azel is that it was you kind of come in and there's not a menu; it's just a blackboard, a list of ingredients. Yeah, and they were just kind of the things that you could get a hold of that were good at that time. And yeah. you know the the idea I know for you at the beginning was to kind of change that quite regular. But when you do that, and I'm sure we spoke about this last time, is then like you say, if you all of a sudden hit onto an absolute Stuart banger, yeah, that might have to kind of go next month. It does. Or, yeah, and you know I'm a, I'm a human as well. I don't I'm not saying that every single thing that I put on a plate is genius. You know, oh, I no, think it is. It is. It's lovely. <laughs> few things that I think, wow, that's pretty special, you know, I'm hard on myself for that because I want it to be great and I did want the menu to change so often so it kept it fresh all the time, but I think we got to a level of cooking where that just didn't suit anymore and, you know, for staff training especially, it was hard on the chefs when I was coming in and saying, like, this is changing now, this is changing, kind of just as they were getting something right, because it does take a little bit of time for a new dish to bed in. Mm. And there's always a constant update on those things. So slowing down the menu has been better, and I think I'm going to focus more on that going into next year and maybe slow it again even further. And, and I'm going to have a think about it over the Christmas break to see how I'm going to actually do it. But I think for consistency and for working on a really great idea, that's probably the key way forward for us. I want to get some more value for money out of you soon. I want to get some more uh, festive New Year's dishes out of you. But that is a really good point that you've said. And in the the last episode, I was talking to Josh about that. And it feels to me from the outside that come January, that is a really good time. And I know you just said you'll take January off to kind of go, right, how did we do last yeah. year? And then, you know, what are the kind of changes? So is that... Is in the chef world, is that your time to kind of reevaluate? Because obviously now December, I'm you know people in offices are wrapping up, aren't they? They're like, right, we're going to yeah. wrap up for the year and we're going to finish. But yeah. you, you guys have to keep going for another couple of weeks on to all of yeah. us. Lot. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a ramping up situation for us now. I mean, we the whole December was booked before December was even here. So it's, you know, the restaurant's already full, it's already busy. Well, I have uh, heard it's pretty hard to get a table there nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's no fun telling anybody about the waiting list sometimes with Hazel and everybody else asking me how to get, I mean, I've got my dentist and my doctor asking me how to get tables at Hazel. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, I mean, you have to just try and book online. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't hold any tables back, you know, I fully booked the restaurant out because... 
a lot of restaurants I've worked in have always held tables for journalists and stuff like that. But you know, this is a business and it needs to make money and needs to you know pay its way. So every table gets booked out. So is this to say but next I think, time I come to Edinburgh, I'm going to struggle to get a table? I mean, if you tell me in advance, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> if not, I'll meet you in the pub for a pint. Right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Just but bring, just January, bring some of the spare food. <laughs> January definitely is our time. I hold back the reservations for the year, the next year, up until about now, because uh, it gives me an opportunity. If there has to be any price increases or if there's anything really changing, I do that before anybody books the tables. So January is definitely a moment of clarity where I say, okay, what do I want to achieve this year with the business and with the staff and everything else, and we put that into place and we. We usually start a fresh attitude in the February when we come back. Um, well, and I think that's also exciting. You just give me a little nudge then before you hit send on those New Year's uh, go live reservations. Yeah, well done. And then I'll just, I can just be lurking online at that time. Yeah. You could probably book loads of tables and then sell them online. Do you know what? Do you, do you know what? You shouldn't have given me that idea. Cause I, I'm, like, well, as you well know, I'm getting married next year, so I need uh, right. I need some extra cash. I could be an I can be an Hazel tout. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I did. I did forewarn you that I need some more value out of you in terms of some more festive dishes. So have you got anything else that we can be making on a bit of a New Year's hogmanay spread? You know, I did. I thought long and hard about food stuff when you asked me about New Year's, but I thought, I mean, a recipe for maybe a drink might have been cool too. Because okay, kinda like, yeah, this is we cool. Do a lot of, drink stuff and this Jade, the general manager is or she comes up with tons of stuff so I kind of steal that but I think a festive drink is an important thing to welcome guests with too it's kind of how you see in the new year I think it's definitely feels appropriate to give you a recipe for that um, so there's one thing that I love at New Year's and it's because when I lived in the Caribbean I was in Barbados for almost three years and Rum, I've got a love for rum. Yeah, so obviously. The dark right. and stormy. Not, I don't know if a lot of people know dark and stormies, but it's a pretty classic cocktail, and it's basically it's a good one to do up as well because it's like it's no fuss. So it's kind of two ounces of rum, uh, maybe a good dash of lime juice, uh, homemade simple syrup infused with a lot of ginger, the ginger and spices, definitely that Christmas New Year feel to it. Um, so a bit of a scoosh of ginger syrup, some lime juice, uh, good rum. I like four square rum and Durley's. Uh, I also know the lady that makes it in, in Barbados. And then just topping up with soda water so it's nice and fizzy and pretty crisp. I think that's a good, a good New Year's festive cocktail recipe. Yeah, that would be great to welcome people in. And like you say, re- relatively really simple to make and have yeah. having a nice sort of batch ready for people to come through yeah, the door. Yeah, that's what I mean. I had it all ready to go. I mixed the, the, the ginger syrup and the rum, pour it in, top it up with some ice and some soda, and you're good to go. Happy no days. Stop in the party. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do that sort of reflection, and I know, I know I've asked you this before, so, you know, please forgive me. And, and you've kind of answered me already in, in your past questions, but do you think about the, the you know, the future and... Not, listeners won't know but i was speaking to your lovely wife recently and she she was uh she was saying you know about 
right, you know, what do we do now? Because it must get to that time where it's stick or twist, you know, do we do, do we bring something new into Edinburgh? Do we bring a new concept in or? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's probably the number one thing I'd say at the minute that's on my mind. And I don't mind telling people that are listening to this podcast that, you know, I've had thoughts of, of stopping Azel and, and, and and selling up and, and doing something else because it's been a, you know it's been a five year push and I had lots of ideas and aspirations for the restaurant um, but you know I'm getting older too and you're trying to constantly create new opportunities for the people you work with you're trying to constantly create new things for the people that come to eat and in a world I mean Edinburgh's a highly competitive restaurant world and there's always a restaurant opening up. And, you know, even since we've opened, there's restaurants that have opened and copied our concept or, you know, very similar things to what we do. So I feel like the newness may not still be there. Um, But to be totally honest, I'm just sort of seeing how it goes over the next few months and still see how I feel about it then. Um, You know, one thing about potentially shutting down and, and moving or relocating or doing something new it's, it's scary in itself because like I say this is kind of my livelihood now this is what pays yeah. my rent and, yeah. and I've got a family to think about yeah. Um, yeah. but that's kind of also part and parcel of it you know no chef I don't think not many chefs at least can stick in one place for too long um, especially when it is small um, you're 16 tables, you know, four days a week. It's not, it's not turning over millions for me. Um, and also, you know, you can only keep staff going at it for so long too. So it's a, it's a weird one. I don't know what the future really holds for us. Uh, I would love to take some time off at some point uh, and enjoy. <laughs> take a break. Just, yeah, let's take a break. I mean, if Aza was shot, I don't think I'd rush into anything new. Yeah, and I definitely wouldn't want to be looking for a job I'd want to start a new business probably but mm. um, you know the restaurant business is a hard one especially the only way I would accept it is if you could move you know like a little bit closer to Leeds <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be the only way that I would accept you closing down ASO. yeah I mean I think I think it'd be a lot of upset people for sure. I <laughs> yeah, but I, I would. Yeah, but I would be happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Shutting down a popular restaurant always comes with its negatives too. It's not it's, just, it's not an easy thing to do. But I'd be delighted though if you were just you know that little bit nearer. That'd be great. Yeah, I think it's a question of like a lot of people maybe get to my age and, and in my position they've got your own business for the last few years and it's like where where do you want to go next with it? You know, it's like yeah. what I want left out of my life to do. I mean awards and all that sort of stuff have always been a thing but it's not the most important thing to me so I don't know it's just we'll have to watch the space and see what happens I mean I'm always looking at spaces and looking at things and I've got more ideas than I've got money so it's uh, there's always something in my brain working but you know I don't think anything's gonna last forever so we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the year really well I um you know, whatever you do, stick or twist, I know it's going to be great because 
you know now and it's like i said to you before the best thing to do that's happened out of this podcast is you get these little pockets of friends you know in little spaces and yeah and especially over the last couple of months to re-engage with yourself because i got sick and tired of seeing your face on my uh <laughs> on my, my instagram and i thought you know what let's just send him a message and hopefully it might make it go away or it might make it easier to bear uh seeing, <laughs> seeing your face at least then i at least then i know that i'm i'm in contact with you um, yeah. is that you know you're just such a talented guy and you're you're you know you're a good mate to me you've helped me out over the last year so thank you so much and thank you for being my new year's hogmanay guest on the past podcast mate it's such a pleasure to have you I back am, on i am honored to be on thanks again for asking me to do it my pleasure hold the line caller because i want to talk to you off air but um thank you for now for the podcast cheers mate thanks man cheers bye bye